This week on the Baseline Podcast, Josh and I are joined by a very special guest, Chris Drew of the Menace to Sports Podcast. We're going to be talking about with Chris a lot of Ohio State football. We're going to be talking about what he thought of last year. What are the things that they needed to improve? What, how are they doing on recruiting? We're going to get the ins and outs. We're going to give predictions, all that, and so much more coming up on the Baseline Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Baseline Podcast. We are back this week. I'm Ben. He's Josh. And then we have another guest. It's not my brother, so we've upgraded, which everyone knows. Um, but I'm going to throw it over to Josh. Josh, introduce our guests. What's going to be happening? Let's do this. Yeah, Ben. So joining us today is another fellow college football fan with Ohio Roots. He's a legend on the rugby field, a man who every front desk worker at Planet Fitness knows by name, the pride of Akron, Ohio, and co-host of Menace to Sports, Mr. Chris Drew. <laughs> I feel honored. I feel like I got to go on stage and accept an award now. <laughs> that was, that was, that all was, of those things wow. are things that if you guys listen to Menace to Sports every week, like I do, you will pick up on and know truly <laughs> what I'm talking about. But Chris, why don't you tell us uh, yeah. about, about your role yeah. with Menace to Sports and what you, you do in the sports business? Oh, man. So um, I linked up with Zach during the 20. 20- 18 maybe in 2019 Michigan Michigan State Ohio State game we started chopping it up and I had been sports radio for some time and um, when he you know hit me up about kind of taking menaces sports up to the next level he hit me up said let's let's get a plan let's do it so uh, I write the shows and I, I present them to Zach I do all the the social media stuff and um and then I'm just a research junkie in terms of college football so deep in deep in the college football trenches I am man deep Heck in the yeah, trenches man. yeah if you guys have never listened to menace of sports so Zach is Zach Smith the former receivers coach at Ohio State. Uh, him and Chris do a show uh, every day live during the week, 1230. Definitely go mm-hmm. and check that out. Um, but we are happy to have Chris here on the show. Uh, as I said, Chris is uh, coming to us from Akron. Chris, is that where you grew up? I know you kind of talk about being from Atlanta sometimes as well. Yeah, so I was born in Atlanta. And then um, my mom got a job back up in Akron. She's from Akron, too. And so uh, moved up here. And I, okay. you know, yeah, all, all, all Akron to the soil. I don't really spend much time in Columbus. In fact, my only couple, two, my only couple times in Columbus have been with Zach. Um, but I'm a huge Ohio State fan. My mom went to Michigan though, man. Oh, that so is. I'm sorry. Crazy house divided. But she's, she's an yeah. academic, so you yeah, know yeah, I, yeah. I can't, I can't knock her for that one. But yeah, no, I'm from Akron, and I work for a, a Cleveland radio station, so I'm Northeast Ohio uh, through and through. Kid, only kid from Af- kid, kid yeah. from Akron, you know. Yeah. yeah. Were you there when LeBron was in high school? Yeah. Or is that too early still? Um, no, I was. I was here when LeBron was in high school. Um, the St. V days. Actually, it's funny because um, the radio station that covered all of his games is, is WAKR, and they're two studios down. Um, so, like, we're super familiar with LeBron. Um, the I Promise School. If you drive that way while I'm pointing, it's probably about five minutes up the road tops. Um, so, just like deep entrenched in kind of LeBron territory. Gotcha. <laughs> my tiny connection, I guess, to St. V and Akron is that my high school, I went to Bellevue uh, okay. up North Central, and we played St. V's in the state championship football my junior season would have been 2013, and they absolutely beat the crap out of us, like 42 <laughs> to 14 or something crazy like that. Uh, 2013, <laughs> like, that was the Paris Campbell team. Yeah, that no would have been. That, that would have been. Yeah, that would have been okay. Paris Campbell. Yeah, that, that was that, yeah. so that was Paris Campbell and Dante Booker. So Dante a, Booker won team. <laughs> won Mr. Football Ohio. They had another middle linebacker, the kid Newman. Um, he was a really good player. Um, Aaron Bushner was the quarterback. Uh, so I, I know a lot of those guys because I mean, so Paris uh, graduated high school at 
at 17. So he was 16 as a senior. And so was I. So, um, so like I had like a deep connection to Paris who has no clue who I am, but I knew who he was because I was covering high school sports. I used to do, um, stats for OHSAA and Akron Beacon. So I got to see Joe Burrow play St. V and that was crazy um, when I was in high school. And then obviously like the Paris Campbell years at St. V were, uh, were absolutely insane. Um, he also played basketball, but he wasn't very good at basketball. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I did hear the story when you were on, on your podcast about you, uh, the Akron officials approaching you and telling you to dump yeah, down the to numbers. Fluff the numbers. Because St. V. Hoban, St. V. Hoban did more ticket sales than any university. Are we surprised? Like, are no, not at all. Surprised? Like, no, <laughs> not at all. I was just a wide-eyed kid. I was like, all right, like I'm trying to make it in the sports world. Let me sure, you know, let do me just the, budget. Let me do what the suits say. So we lied. <laughs> now I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Chris, we are excited to talk. Yeah, uh, absolutely college football with you today uh we're gonna kick it off with ohio state discussion and i kind of know how ben feels about the <laughs> the way that last season went for ohio state football uh, i'd like yeah. to just get some some thoughts of, on what you saw uh, from the team last season it was definitely i think uh underwhelming from uh what most mm -hmm. ohio state fans are used to you know definitely underwhelming um i'll start with i'll start with this um obviously the defensive scheming was bad and and Kerry combs was in over his head through and through and anybody who kind of, you know, took the time to, to watch Matt Barnes knew that his philosophy stuff wasn't a fit with what Ryan Day wanted. And Ryan Day's really particular because he likes a single high safety look because that's what he struggles scheming against for the most part. Um, so that's what he would like. Now, uh, I don't know where to start in terms of in terms of personnel, but I thought there were some personnel blunders with Ohio State, like majority of the year. I thought guys that should have been out there were not out there. Guys that shouldn't have been out there were out there. I think losing Josh Proctor early um, was so, so bad, but I'll flip to one more. I really think Ohio State deserved to lose those two games. Um, I think they deserved to lose those two games because I think they were a year ahead of schedule. Yeah. Um, that was the youngest team Ohio State's fielded in over 20 years. That's the youngest defense they fielded since like 1998 or something. And uh, they deserved to lose those games. And honestly, like that's just kind of setting things up for the next two years to be really explosive and really good. But last year was such a disappointment, man. Um, we were soft. Um, there was a, a lot of holes on defense, like like this, like I said. And then you know, schematically, uh, I know Zach likes to break it down, but it was it was just a mess. People weren't being taught well, and I think it's really alarming that the uh, the two top linebackers, um, kind of that played last year were the two guys that spent the least amount of time uh, with with the linebacker coach out Washington. Yeah. So that that's that's telling like bad habits were being taught. It wasn't that guys were being coached up. It was bad habits being absolutely yeah. taught. And I think I think even you go off of two like, I, you know, I'm here in Hungary. So watching games at 2 a.m. really makes you notice things that you normally don't notice. Um, but I think even the big games, right? Like I'm thinking of like, you know, the Oregon game, the you know, the, even the Michigan game. And it's like, you look at those games and I've never seen a high state team. I've been watching high state games with my dad since I was probably before I was born. Right. And my dad <laughs> looked at me on the, on FaceTime at that Michigan game and goes, we're going to lose this game. And that was like a minute in. And he said, I have not seen a high state team be so soft. High state team not seem to care on defense. Like he goes, as much as he hates trestle ball, you know, that old mm -hmm. knowledge, he loved the fact that those defenses could just light up somebody if they wanted to. Yeah, it bred right? nastiness. Like, do you yeah, guys exactly. remember a single big hit this last year? No. Like I don't. last season, I, I can't remember a single one. Yeah. And that's alarming. I'm not I'm not used to it. And additionally, I think that it kind of got masked. Like the softness got masked because 
Honestly, like Penn State was pushing us around at the trenches. Yeah. But when you have JSN and Chris Olave and and, and Garrett Wilson, it kind of it's like, oh, look, we're just flying around. But we were a finesse team. Really similar to me, what it felt like was the uh, 2014 Oregon team. Like yeah. they were a finesse team through and through. Um, they had all these dudes skill position-wise. They were really fun to watch. The offense was moving. But in the trenches, they were just getting beat to hell. And that's what it looked like for us. And, and it was frustrating as a guy who I, I love safety play. And watching the safeties play that bad and and having a safety out there at Ohio State that doesn't strike fear into anybody at all on on the hit wise, it's it was it was bothersome. We were getting pushed around and I uh I don't know, man. I, I really, I really, really hope that they can get it figured out this year. Cause there's no reason that D line should have been that get been been getting pushed around like that. And additionally, like like I, I'm ready to kind of see the four sophomores take the take the yeah. field on the defensive line because I, I I'd seen enough last year. Yeah, and I and I think too, I you know, I'll I'll even touch on that the whole finesse thing. I think, you know, I, it's almost like they wanted to they at times it felt we wanted to be something that Ohio State never really has been. And I think you combine that with coaches that Let's be honest, we're over their head a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you look on the defensive side, I don't think a coach knew what he was, any coaches knew what they were doing on that side of the ball. Like, I think they were throwing guys out there saying, hey, Stover makes a sense because at least he can hit somebody, right? And <laughs> it's right, like he can. Like, he's he's a dude that's going to lay punches. But I look on the offensive side, like if you take away the three receivers and you take away and, and you rely on Henderson, can he get the job done? Right. Yeah. Or like we don't know these things because it was like it was that or you're you're dead. Right. And it's kind of like when we talk about you talk about balance. Right. And in, in, in the NFL and college football, you need balance. And my thing was, is sometimes I felt we didn't lean enough on that pound and ground game. Like just 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 drill it, like run the ball, make because like there would be times where they would throw passes incomplete, punt the ball. And it's like, dude, it's third and two. Where's the old Ohio State where you line up in the eye? I know it's not to do anymore is line up in the eye, but dude, just power run it. You have Rossi, let him lead the way, just power run it. And I think I'm interested to see what Ryan day, because Ryan day, I'm telling you, I've, I heard this many times is he does not take well to like people talking bad about his team. And he holds that he won't verbalize it, but he holds that. And I'm really interested to see what kind of shakes, you know, takes place here in the next, you know, few, few months as we lead up to the, the beginning of the season. Yeah, the run game was so finesse heavy, man. Like, uh, for all the football nerds out there, we ran stretch over seventy percent of our run plays. Like, that's just not a very good run play. Like, no. it well, it's 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 fine. It's it. I shouldn't say it's not a very good run play. It just doesn't breed nastiness because you're not pulling a guard, you're not getting linemen moving downhill, and you're not going to run stretch with two tight ends out there. Um, so that's that was alarming to me, and I think the fix for that was to bring Justin Fry in. Now, Justin Fry and Chip Kelly. Um, Chip Kelly gets an interesting rap because he's kind of known as a guy that's like a lot likes a lot of the uh, the finesse stuff. But um, in the 2019 Clemson game, when we when we or was it the tw- it was 2020 Clemson game when we ended up getting them back, um, one of the things that Ryan Day went and did was went and got with Chip Kelly on run fit, and then we saw in the, in that Clemson game like some real power running, um, and then we completely got away from it last year. Now Justin Fry, who worked for um, you know Chip Kelly, was also the offensive line coach and, and run game coordinator, did a lot of work with with uh, 
day at Boston College. That year, they had Andre Williams, a power back, go for 2,000 yards and out of Boston College become a Heisman finalist. So I think Ryan Day is making the adjustment because I don't think he's the expert on on the uh, run game like he like he wants to be. But I think a guy like Justin Fry, who was under him at, at Boston College and then under Chip Kelly at UCLA, is that guy. And I, and I know Zach raves about kind of the nastiness that comes with a Justin Fry running attack. So I think that fixes that. Um, and then additionally, I, I like Rossi a lot. I like I to see Rossi. Rossi out there more, and I would like to see him out there with St- with Stover if it is Stover or with Royer, and because yeah, I think look. if you load him up on one side and then get a lineman moving down like downhill, that'll just really help Traven Henderson, and then that'll help Mayan Williams. Like I hated how much we ran Mayan Williams stretch. Like I love Mayan. He's like, a I think bowling ball. <laughs> exactly. Let Mayan be Mayan, and Mayan's not running stretch. No. Like, like the stuff that we saw him do early on against Minnesota when he took that one around the edge and and, and housed it. Travion could do that too. But I want Mayan between the tackles. I want Mayan behind a pulling guard. I want Mayan in a heavy set. And then I want to work out of play action. When it, when you're play actioning something that's more power-oriented rather than something that's stretched, I think that'll help, uh, help our pass game even more, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Josh, I mean, you're, you're a Florida fan, so obviously you can see how great the run game is down there in Florida. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to bring that Florida up. fan, dude. I was, I was going back to, I was watching the, um, 2007 Florida LSU oh, game. Gosh. Oh, that was man. a man. No. Um, so I, I was looking for this celebration because I don't know if, how much you guys, not to get super off topic. I don't know how much you guys know about the, uh, the, the Tim Tebow years down there. Josh, I'm sure yeah. you know, oh, I mean, that's why I'm a Florida Gators fan <laughs> Got right you in the Tebow era. And I just, oh, I love Tebow. I just don't like so <laughs> I don't know how tapped in you were, but during that 07, you probably listened on Friday when Zach was talking about it during mm-hmm. that 07 year. Um, they said, I guess like Tebow's number got leaked on message boards like the week of the LSU game and everybody was calling Tim Tebow from LSU, just blowing his phone up. So he couldn't use his phone for a week. So I guess after one of the touchdown celebrations, he like did the, the dial phone in the, you know, in the LSU <laughs> oh, and picked up the phone. Yeah, I so I'm At least from watching it, I'll have to look in that to that too. That's crazy. Yeah. Super <laughs> crazy. So they just, they, he, they said he couldn't use his phone the entire week. Cause it was just like thousands of calls and thousands of messages coming through and his phone like froze up. He was so mad. <laughs> Talk about a great guy though, by the way. Talk about a great guy. Tim Tebow's a great guy. Yeah. Dude, yeah. a great solid dude. Um, Percy Harvin too, man. Like, yeah, Percy, yeah. like I hear Zach talk all the time about how great Percy Harvin is. Like the first time I ever heard him say like Percy Harvin's the best football player he's ever seen. I was like, really? Because, I mean, this is 11, 12-year-old Josh, like, not fully <laughs> developed in the football mind yet, watching Percy just like, you know, like a smaller, fast receiver that, I mean, mm-hmm. is really good, but it's like the best ever. Like, we're, And this is in an era where I have saw guys like Vince Young and Reggie Bush, and it's just like Percy Harvin, though. And, I mean, I see highlights now, and it's like, yeah, I mean, Percy was better than what I remember, but it's like, man, I kind of wish best I could have seen him, like, like today, like as our, as our age. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's almost Those, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because I think about even that, I think about Ted Ginn or Chris Gamble in that way at Ohio state, like guys that back then I was like, wow, these guys are doing some cool things. Now I look at them like Chris Gamble played both ways pretty much his whole yeah. career. Like the dude played both ways. Like if you tell someone that now, like no. starting corner and then receiver, like on third down for like no. trick plays, he was a starting receiver, and starting corner, never leaving the field. <laughs> and no, and I, yeah. I love, I love the story that, that Zach talks about, like, after uh, Percy got traded to Seattle and they're all in the office. And uh, I don't know if you've heard the story, Josh, but uh, 
um, Pete Carroll calls Urban Meyer and it's like, yeah, yo, like I, I need some help, man, because Percy's not practicing. Percy's punching players. Percy's cussing out staff members like I need to get him on the field. But he like Percy goes missing all the time and we don't know what to do. Yeah. And it's like we it's need him. One of my because, favorite stories I hear him tell, too. Yeah, I love it. He's like, I need him because like he legitimately is the best football player I've seen like the best in space the best of creating space the best skilled player I've seen like better than Reggie Bush and it's like like for me in my head Reggie was always the best college running oh yeah. Ever. yeah yeah like, like hear, yeah incredibly gifted so for him to call urban and say that and need percy this bad after first of all percy was not at the peak of his career this was you know obviously later on percy and I mean, he's breaking players' jaws in the locker room, and yet you need him out there in a time where you would think of the NFL. It's like we cut guys loose, especially receivers. Like yeah. receivers, the one position we see, there's, I mean, there's 3,500 guys who are, you know, are six foot and can run a four four. Like we don't need him, but they needed him, and so for me, that kind of is eye opening for Pete Carroll to make that call because, I mean, Reggie Bush should have won two Heisman's. So, well, yeah, yeah I mean, it's never been taken away, but that's that's besides the point. Uh, but no, my question for you is. Chris is you look at what Ohio state's doing um, in, in off the field, right. And recruiting and Josh knows we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and I was just raving on the fact that Brian Hartline might be the goat of recruiting. I mean, just this man goes out there and says, Hey, you want to come and sit for a year? Maybe, maybe two years. <laughs> hey, you're a five-star. I don't care. You're going to learn how to be a, a wide receiver and in the NFL and in college football. My question to you is, do you think that this is, like, is it going to be possible to keep Brian Hartline? I know we know he's a Buckeye and we know that he lives and dies that. And what would it take, do you think, to keep him on there so that we can keep this train rolling and that this will continue to be one thing that we have here at Ohio State? So what I know right now, like for fact, this isn't rumor mill, this isn't anything, but I know for fact, at least in the next two years, Brian Hartline does not want the pressures of being anything more than a pass game coordinator and a wide receivers coach. He doesn't want the spotlight. Hmm? Breaking news. <laughs> right here. <laughs> he doesn't want the spotlight. He doesn't want kind of the, the pressure that comes yeah. with it. And it's the mold, similar mold that I heard about Brent Venables um, down in Clemson. Now, Brent Venables uh, had some stuff, off the field stuff that he, you know, was getting into here and there and then eventually ended up being the head coach at Oklahoma. But right now, I know for a fact he doesn't want that. Now, additionally, like speaking about, um, you know, his recruiting prowess, guys, I don't know how many receivers you think he's missed out on, but. <laughs> I think it's two total <laughs> since he's been there, um, including them being able to get their or three, actually. And they've been able to get his number one every single year, which I don't remember ever being done. The three receivers that Brian Hartline's missed out on is Zachariah Branch, Bo yeah. Collins, and uh, and the, the kid that went to Clemson. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. I the other kid that went to Clemson. Um, uh, to kill Tro oh, Troy Stilato. Those yeah, are the three. Stilato, those yeah. are the three he's missed out on, and all of those guys went somewhere else after someone higher on Brian Hartline's board committed uh, to to Ohio State. So we'll start with that. Um, additionally, right now, him and Corey Dennis know that the best way for them to elevate their stock is to stay with Ryan Day as long as possible. Mm. Ryan Day has made both of their jobs, both of their careers. First of all, it's it's a cheat code. Because a, a Ryan Day offense is going to guarantee those guys get touches and yards. Second of all, Zach has talked about it, and Zach has had several long conversations with, with, with Day. Brian 
schemes guys open better than anybody else he's ever been around. And one of the guys that he used to give a lot of credit to was a guy like Tom Herman, who did a really good job scheming guys open who maybe weren't great receivers. And a guy like Dan Mullins, who wasn't, he was good. I like Dan, so I don't want I don't want to be too hard on him. I know I know Josh probably doesn't does, doesn't Josh like Dan. Sitting there like, oh geez. I sit here like, what do you have good to say about Dan Bourne? Like 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 as an offensive like like understanding scheme, like Zach has talked about how good Dan was. Now he also talked about how weird Dan is and how he never expected <laughs> to connect with anybody because he's just a really weird dude. Um, but those are the three guys that scheme receivers open and and Sark as well. And so Brian Hartline knows. Brian Hartline can bring whoever he wants in. As long as the guy's a top 250 guy, no matter who you are, you if you are starting at Ohio State, you can go get 1,000 yards because that's how good Ryan yep. Day is. And on the Corey Dennis front, what quarterback doesn't want to come to Ohio State? Like They, they all they all want in. You got the they, most loaded receiving room in the country you're going to be throwing no, to. I, we take that back. Remember, Quinn Ewers came for his million dollars and then decided to just yeah. jump ship. You know, but that was the only one that was kind yeah, of that, about money basis. And even, even he wanted to play for Ohio State. Like, <laughs> I mean, he played he, a snap. I mean, yeah. He played two snaps. So Sorry, I'll give two. you that. Sorry, but two. That, that, I mean, but Quinn Ewers is a guy we should have never had a shot with. Like, no. like guys, like I, I swear to you, like I've seen the inside of Quinn Ewers' bedroom. It was painted burnt orange. <laughs> like he should have never been at Ohio State. So, yeah. like, the fact of the matter is, is that the wide receiver recruiting is helping the quarterback recruiting, and the quarterback recruiting is helping the wide receiver recruiting, and Ryan Day's offense is keeping everything at all-time high. Brian Hartline knows if he goes somewhere else, it's not going to be this easy. It's not going to be this yeah. fruitful. Like, if he – like. Say he goes to Notre Dame and gets the Jeez. offensive coordinator job at Notre Dame. Who's coaching quarterbacks there? Who is coaching like like who do you trust more as a quarterback developer there? Yeah, I mean, like it would have to be like the OC at Texas or something. Yeah, I mean, it's but also too, I think on that too, I think it's development wise. I think receivers are seeing what Chris Olave did. Chris mm-hmm. Olave came in as a guy that was literally was found on a like it wasn't even like you know hey he's you know a you know, a number five star receiver that's just out there and those things. So you see a guy like him and, you know, I even think you think about Jamison Williams, like this man decided to just go, Hey, I'm not going to get enough touches, which by the way, I think he still would have got quite a few touches, but he would have been just fine. He would have have been so many touches, man. But I look at that and I look at all these guys that have developed and it's like, if you're Brian Hartline sitting in your living room, how are you going to tell a guy? No. How are you going to look at him and go, Hey, uh, you just had two receivers go in the top, you know, 15 picks. Uh, I'm gonna have to pass on this. Like you don't <laughs> say that. Like Mm-mm. you don't. And, and look at look at Fleming, right? A guy who's a five star, who's a stud, by the way. People keep yeah. telling me, they, they, I have friends that all the time, Michigan fans especially. They're like, oh, he's just a he's just a he's a nobody. I'm like, dude, this dude's a five star receiver that's he's been injury plagued. If he's healthy, this dude is gonna be after you know Jackson Smith Ninjigba leaves. This dude will be the feature guy. Like just wait, just he wait. Will be. I mean, he was the number number one overall player according to ESPN. Like the kid could play, kid could fly. Like, and he's he's never had a healthy shoulder. Like he's never never been able to lift his shoulder, his his right shoulder, I believe, above his head. Like even even as he became the number one player, like it's been that messed up for that long. Like if you get on the field, it's it's over. And it's funny because like Ohio State wide receiver recruiting has been so different than Alabama. Like Alabama has taken four transfer wide receivers. That's what Josh said. That's what Josh was talking about it's a couple crazy, weeks ago. Crazy man! Like not too long ago, this Bama receiver room had four receivers all recruited, no transfers, that all became first round picks, and it has now turned into like, you know, East Mississippi Community College, basically. Like all these <laughs> new guys coming in because they can't bring anybody in. It's like, what the heck's going on? Like, has Nick Saban what? fell behind the game? That's the question. 
has Nick Saban lost his edge or like this Weaver dude that's the receiver coach just can't get it done just got maybe lucky I don't know I mean, like, I think, is it Wiggins, the wide receiver coach there now? Wiggins, my bad. I knew it was a W name. Yeah. yeah. So, so there we at go. this point, Nick Saban's kind of sounding the alarm. Like, Nick Saban said after the national title game, he was like, man, we had dudes that think they were good enough to play, and they were not good enough to play in the championship game. Like, the, yeah. the, the opportunity was there. And, like, what, the A.J. Hall kid, he dropped a touchdown pass in the title game, and he dropped, like, two first down plays. And Nick Saban sounded the alarm and kind of offered up at that point that they're going to be hitting the portal so hard. And... Nick Saban is, is is recruiting and pushing that room like he doesn't intend on being there for more than four or five years because you could do these little shot in the arm and jet. It's like steroids, man. Yeah. It's like transfer wide receiver like steroids. You, you could do a little bit here. You could do a little bit there. But for the long-term success of the program, it's not going to work out. But I don't, I don't think Nick Saban cares about the long-term success of the program. He cares about next year and then after next year, worries about the year after where – you know, Brian Hartline is building a foundation with the room. And so that's kind of what separates the two. But he's going to stay at Ohio State for a long time. He doesn't want the spotlight. And he understands how easy his job has become here and, at Ohio State. And I think, too, like, you know, his own kids, right? Like, growing yeah. him up in the Ohio State program. But also, I, I think back to that, you know, the Campbell, the McLaurin's, that room that, if you remember, very talented, stayed four years, stayed five mm-hmm. years, said, and that's the culture that almost goes back to the Jim Trestle days, the Urban Meyer days, where it's like, hey, you're going to play four years or at least three, at least three, yeah. but mostly you're going to try to stick at four. Because unless you're a, a top five pick, most of these guys, unless you're a Garrett Wilson, a CJ Stroud, these kind of guys, stick it out. It doesn't hurt mm-hmm. you. It makes you better. Because most of these guys we know, they think they're ready. They go out early. They get drafted in the sixth round. They don't get drafted. And now they're sitting there going, man, I had a – And I can make money now. Why am I leaving? Right. Like this, all this thing. And so I'm very interested to see how this keeps going, because I think Brian Hartline is one of those guys that I remember watching him as a player, which is just weird to me. But (laughs) and now just seeing how he coaches these guys and like you look at even Marvin Harrison Jr., right? A guy that was highly recruited, but not a guy that was like, hey, a top five dude out of the class. Mm -hmm. I believe he's out of the top 150. Yes. He wasn't a top And this guy, but his dad said, his dad said, this is the best place for him because it's, it's, it fits what he needs. And you saw him go in that Rose Bowl and said, this is my time. Mm -hmm. You know, Garrett Wilson, you're gone. Olave, you're gone. This is my time. And I'm telling you, and I've said this all summer as Michigan fans keep hounding me. I said, you get ready for that day. Because I will tell you that there are going to be receivers. There's a quarterback. There's a running back. There's an offensive line. There's a defense that is scarily is very hungry, and they're going to be scary. And I'm sorry, Michigan, you can't even get a dude that has the last name of a legendary coach. And that's and that's and that's what's so it's so frustrating. And if you're a Michigan fan, right? Like I have friends, I have family that are Michigan fans, and they they won't talk to me right now because they know I'm just like I'm like I'm not telling you anything that's tr- not true. Like you can't. Your coach decided on signing day that he's flirting with the NFL when you publicly, NFL, like very, very publicly. publicly. Like you, like Ryan Day has always said. Anytime people ask him, "No, I'm staying." Nope, mm-hmm. I'm here. This is where I'm at. Brian Hartline, same thing. These guys are like, "Hey, we're here." If you're a recruit and you're looking at Michigan, like why the heck would I go there? He's a nutcase. Why would I go there? Right? Like Dante Moore just left too. For yeah, Dante Moore just left. From Detroit, like, MLK. Like, and you know how, Michigan. Uh, you know when they offered him? When? He was in the seventh grade. Jim Harbaugh went and offered him personally. And they lost him? They lost him. And they him. lost him. Oh, they lost him. Yeah. They offered him personally. He was in the seventh grade. 
First that's off, the, I wish I was offered in seventh grade, man. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd be a popularity Same. boost right there. Yeah, is that Tathan Martell? Like, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of well, like Tate and guys like that, it seems like all these guys that get offered that early or like get an offer, like they never to that school, right? Or they mm-hmm. end up just being trash, yeah. But they never end up seeming to go to that. First or school. also, I mean, by the way, speaking of like fourteen year olds, that fourteen year old that's been on social media that's like six one two ninety five. I'm sorry if I was six one two ninety five at fourteen. What the heck are they feeding this kid? Yeah, kid looks like a grown man. If my kid was in school in the same district <laughs> playing football, I would immediately pull him out of football. I would immediately tell him to go play table tennis. Like, we're not stepping foot on the football field. You can go be a water boy. There's no shame in that. You can go be a ball boy. You can go play soccer. But the last thing I'm or or we're just going to pull the whole KD thing and we're going to transfer you to that school because I do not want that dude hitting you. Like, straight up. Uh, yes. like, there's not a chance I'm letting anyone that I care about, cousin, brother, sister, anybody on the other side of someone like that, man. Dude, that is 14 scary. years old, man. Dude, at 14, I was shaving off my mustache that was ugly. Like, you know, like that's when I was 14, I didn't even have any hair anywhere but my head. <laughs> there was nothing to even shave. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Dude, Chris Henry Jr., too, I believe, is only 14, and he looks oh, like he could be dude. playing college ball already dude, based on massive. They, man, yeah. freaks. Dude, what freaks are they, everywhere, what man. Are they These feed? kids are ridiculous. Like, when I, I was, when I was that age, I weighed maybe a buck 25 on a good day, like soaking wet a buck 25. I played post and basketball at 6'2, 125. <laughs> what am I going to do at 6'2, 125 yeah. playing center? It ain't gonna... batch was like five feet, 100 pounds even. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's I, was, I was a little guy. I was. I do want to ask about receivers, guys. I want to ask yeah. you. I'm. I'm kind of taking yeah. this, and bringing it back. You're just used to being. Zach had taken all those things, so you know you gotta. Yeah. Really well, I want to. I want to ask you guys about Marv. Do yeah. you think Marv has what it okay. takes to be the number one on this team? Like Zach and I have talked about it a little bit, or it's, you think there's I, no way? I've said. I've said. I said yes. Yep. It depends how they play it, scheming it wise, right? Like, is Jackson Smith going to play inside? If he plays inside, then it's but what do you consider number one? Because that's the thing. Because every mm-hmm. every you know, like what I was who was the number one last year? Who's the number one last year? You think I it's feel like Garrett say, was just like I feel like Garrett yeah. was the best receiver, but Jackson Smith and Jigba had the most yards and touches. And I mean Chris Olave, Olave had the most like touchdowns. Rounder that I mean Olave has kind of seen his production go down, I think, each year, if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's not like he's gotten any worse. It's just like these other guys just keep stepping up. And since Ohio state doesn't really feature a receiver or like try to target one receiver specifically, like, I feel like that yeah. opens the door for really anybody to be, I guess that top target. But yeah, that's, that's an interesting point though, about like what you would say is number I, one. Is I like would say though, touches or the way that they play in the offense. I think though, too, if you look at Jack Smith and Jigba, the reason why I would actually consider Jack Smith, the number one is like, look what he did in the Rose bowl. Like when mm-hmm. Wilson wasn't there, Olave wasn't there. Who did Stroud feel most comfortable with? I look at quarterbacks, who are they most comfortable with? Who can be the production, right? Like when I was coaching high school football a few years ago, our 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 head coach was always like, you know, this is my number one guy. And we're like, yeah, but he gets like four touches a game. He's like, yeah, but he draws the most attention. He's the one that causes double teams. He's the one that when he does get the ball, it's scary for the other team. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think it depends. Like Josh said, it depends on, I think, where you're at, right? Like, are you a team that focuses only on Jack Smith and Jigba or are, do you want Harrison to be that guy? But then you also go like, but you also forget about Fleming and how many other dudes that are you're lining Mbuka. up. Mm-hmm. So Mbuka as well, who we barely saw really last year because I mean, the room was so loaded. Yeah. yeah and no. so that's what I would say. 
It's interesting because, like, when I when I look at it and when I try to answer the question who the number one is, I go back to the Michigan game, and yep. like every time the game was on the line, or you know, obviously we lost, the ball was going to JSN. Like every time yep. everybody was covered, the ball was going to JSN. And also, I think the number one for CJ last year was was a little bit simpler because JSN played in the slot. Yep. Traditionally team's third best corner play in the slot or safeties so he's going to draw the most mismatches um i think Garrett. i mean when garrett wilson was in the slot like the year before like he was the number one in my opinion yeah um so i am curious to see if they will try to move jsn outside and kind of have him do the garrett wilson role where you know we've seen you play the slot now we want to have you go play the x um but it's like there also has to be a guy good enough to want to bump somebody out like that so uh, i i am curious i do think i think that if you it's, it's but who, so who do you th- who do you think is gonna be the who do you think is gonna be the top three if you go list like we obviously know jsn mm-hmm. you take him out of the picture who are the next two guys that you're like these two guys are going to get the most touches after him who so i i if if you keep jsn in here this is where zach and i kind of differ i think that if you if, if JSN stays in the slot, which I anticipate him to, I don't think Abuka starts. I think Abuka is a better slot receiver. And I think for the X and for the Z, I think you'd have Marvin at the X because that's that's ideal. Yep. So the X is obviously the bigger receivers, yep. the Michael Thomases of the world, the more physically gifted. Garrett played the X because he was a rare specimen. Um, and I rare. just I, just a rare, rare specimen. And then at the Z, while Abuka is, is fantastic and probably a very good player, I think at the Z – you have to put Fleming at least to. to start. I think they'd rotate. I, I just Fleming fits the Z so perfectly. Like he's your ideal um, out there. So so that's where I'm at with those. But again, if you do, if you do want to move JSN to the Z, then you put Abuka in there at the slot, and then oh, you absolutely. can see him have a, hu- a huge drop. So can, it's you really, imagine, can you imagine that speed if you put mm-hmm. him? Oh my word! It'd be ridiculous. And then like the the trump card for Ryan Day could be if you if you trot those three out there, and then you also trot out G Scott Jr. And then it's like, <laughs> okay, what are you gonna do? Like, like, are you going to personnel match and throw another, another DB out there? Oh, and by the way, Tr- Travion Henderson's in the backfield who also yeah. can be a receiver. Exactly. So it's like if you want a personnel match, if G. Scott's out there, what do you do? Do you put a linebacker on G. Scott or do you put a safety? Because if you put a safety, you have to believe that at this point G. Scott's put on enough weight to plant a safety trying to help and run support. So then you you, you flip to a run play with, with Travion. Yeah. You put a linebacker out there. There's not a single linebacker that's not in the NFL currently that can stay in front of a, a true wide receiver yeah. is where we're at. So yeah, I think the next two will be Fleming and um, and, and Marv. And, yeah. and I don't think Marv will have a bigger year than JSN because of the slot idea and because of just proximity to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I'm really excited to see Stroud's numbers. That's all I'm going to mm-hmm. say. I can't wait yeah, to see his numbers. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be. It's gonna be, be crazy. I go back and forth because I. It's gonna be crazy, but his overall yards might go down. I think because I think we'll be in more blowouts this year. Mm. Like last year, we, the defense was so bad that there weren't enough blowouts. I think this year there'll be enough blowouts to where we'll see, you know, Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, and we'll see a good amount of handoffs as well. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Yeah. I got a question for you, Chris. Oh yeah, oh, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, so we've just established how many weapons Ohio State has to like go around for CJ, but I'm wondering if this Ohio State receiver room could produce three 1,000-yard receivers because last year they were so close to doing it, 
if Olave and Wilson play that Rose Bowl, it happens. It doesn't happen too often in football. Like it's only happened five times in the NFL. And the only time I know of in college was the 2007 Hawaii yep. football team with Colt Brennan. Um, but I think this year, like you, some might say, like, you know, there's a lot more weapons or uh, there could be more blowouts, and maybe more runs in the second half. But I look at it like Ohio State's my national championship favorite to me. So to me, that means that they're going to play three extra games with the championship or the big 10 championship and the two playoff games and since they were so close last year like got to figure jsn is going to get a thousand again i think marvin harrison's good enough to get that thousand and then it's just kind of like will that next thousand be fleming or ibuka and i mean cj's got a year under his belt now so i mean that's another year of experience is like Death beam to your head, as you would ask back. <laughs> Will Ohio State's receiver room have three 1,000-yard receivers, or is there just too much uh, guys with too many miles to feed here? Um, they won't have three 1,000-yard receivers. They'll have two. Uh, Marv is going to go over 1,200, and uh, JSN is going to go over 1,400, and then Abuka and Fleming are going to split. So it's going to be like something like 700, 600, 700, 500 for those guys because they're going to try to keep both of them happy and give them get them on the field. And they're going to have to rotate receivers because at some point, Brian Arline's going to have to realize that when you don't rotate receivers, guys get dead legs late in the year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we saw it's so funny because like because of late in the year and what you saw from a guy, Garrett Wilson, people thought Garrett Wilson was going to run a slow 40. Um, but it's like once his legs got some juice underneath of him and, and he was good, he ran in the four threes. But he wasn't playing at a four three speed because his legs were blew out because he was on the field at all times. So I think that's a lesson that they've learned and that I know that I know Mickey Marotti is tapped in on. So float that. So we're going to be rotating that 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 third receiver um, and uh, too much. So to where that they won't get three thousand yarders. I would love it though. I want it. Hell, yeah. I'd rather have four. Like give us four thousand yard receivers. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna throw for four K. So and dude, um, since you brought it, Mickey. Fun fact about Mickey. Uh, I've been to the NFL Combine a couple times to interview like the prospect, some of the bigger prospects oh, up dope. there. And, uh, I always try to talk to some of the Ohio state guys and out of the three or four Buckeyes that I've talked to in the two years that I've made the trip up there, all of them say, when I ask them the question, what makes Ohio state different? They always start off with Mickey Marathi. That's like the first guy they mention. It's Why not do you think they pay him? Meyer or Ryan day or any kind of scheme or culture. It was always Mickey Marathi. And I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. That I mean, it's right. I mean, if Urban Meyer, that's kind of that's Urban Meyer's one rule. If he ever got back into coaching, the pillar of the team, the 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 personality of your football team is absorbed from the strength and conditioning coach. If Urban Meyer ever got back into coaching um, at the college level, the one person he would need would be Mickey Marotti. He tried and taken Stanford a year ago um, when he went to Jacksonville because that's a guy from mixed program, kind of one of mixed disciples. Didn't work out. If he ever coached in college again, he would need Mickey Marotti. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I think, you know, I look at the toughness, right? I think there will be a toughness this year in the defense. We talked about the defense. I want to touch on that mm-hmm. real quick. I I personally think that you're going to see this defense. This has been my my prediction with my dad, with people like or people I've talked with football wise. I've always said like the defense needed to get better. That was like my thing. I think it's going to get better. I've said that. My thing is, I think this team could could really keep teams if they play what we think they can on paper. You look at this team; they have a lot more talent on the outside as well on the inside. I think they can keep a keep teams under 16, 15 points. Hopefully, right? Where mm-hmm. if all goes well. Well, my question to you is, and Josh can touch on this too. We both kind of talked about. He said this question to me. And I'm like, I, I like this. I'm gonna keep this. Which defensive end will have more sacks, JTT or Sawyer? Yeesh. 
or will it be someone that we don't know? I mean, because that seems to happen on the high stage defense all the time. I think I think Sawyer will have more sacks than JTT, but I think you know, yeah, I think Here's Sawyer I will think. have more. Uh, it depends on it depends on who rotates with Harrison. Exactly, like one of the two is going to rotate with Harrison. I'm trying to think of who that could be. I feel like JTT, like on the depth chart at least, is probably ahead right now based on last season's performance. But mm-hmm. Sawyer like was so highly ranked in recruiting, and it's like, will he make like? the huge jump from year one to year two here, or is he going to end up not being? Will Harrison ever show up to be but, dead? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm out on Harrison. Harrison I think, is, oh. I think that JTT came out of high school closer to a finished product mm-hmm. based on um, kind of the high-level coaching and high-level strength conditioning he got out of Washington. Jack Sawyer um, never fully dedicated his time to defensive end until last year. Guys, he was a yeah. quarterback. In, in high school, I, he was a freak quarterback. Yeah, a freak quarterback, really, and he played and he played basketball. But so did JTT. So I I think that Sawyer has more room to take a significant leap. And if you look at just like traits and tools, like Jack Sawyer's so freaky, guys. Like his torso, the long legs, the long violent arms, like keeping up with the seniors and the strength stuff. Like he just has more yeah. upside, I would say. And I think it'll finally be unleashed. Additionally, with um, Knowles. He also fits the mold for the perfect Leo. Like he can yeah. stand up and rush. He can line up anywhere. He's like I said, so violent with his hands. We saw in the spring game last year. He had like four or five sacks. It's like a, like bo- it's like a Bosa. It's like a yeah, Bosa. Exactly. It, it yeah. feels it feels like a Bosa to me. He just didn't have the high level strength and conditioning for as long as guys like JTT and even Nick and and Joey because a St. Thomas Aquinas and their dad being an NFLer. Like they came to campus fed well and they didn't have to worry about their weight because you know, they weren't playing quarterback as well. <laughs> so um, I, I think Jack will have more sacks this year, but I also think Ty Leak is going to have more sacks than Harrison on the flip side. Yeah. Just, Harrison, just, just so you guys know. Harrison has got frustrated me so much because mm-hmm. of how hyped I was an Ohio kid st- after Bose's left. We're like, okay, this is our guy. And then he's just kind of tanked. Um, he's a but freak athlete. Like I watched him play yeah, receiver. Yeah, yeah. He's a freak. He just can't bend. He has yeah. no bend to him. So it's frustrating. And you have Burke Denzel Burke on the outside who I can't wait to watch this year. Dude's just, a freak for a guy that kind of was not known he just turned out to be a really good player for a guy who was rated as an athlete coming out exactly of like, like nobody knew what he was gonna he, they got to the camp they said you can play what you want to play we want to start you with slot corner and see what you can do he said forget the slot corner stuff i want to play outside like yeah. I, I can i can i can i can stand in front of anybody normally athletes just go to florida oh i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry uh, another one uh, I, hey hey hey, hey josh, josh, athlete, josh you have to be excited for florida though man like the web kid that you guys landed like i think i think billy napier is doing so much more than like what mullen did like in his <laughs> last season like so far napier's got at least last time I checked, two of the top 15 kids in this upcoming class, which Mullen was never even touching five stars. Mm-hmm. We know uh, Mullen didn't like to recruit. Like, Mullen did not want to recruit. He didn't. He couldn't like keep guy, the kids in the Florida coach. And, I mean, in just one year, Napier's already recruiting the state of Florida better than what Mullen was in his final yeah. season. So it's like we are in such a talent-rich state, there's no excuse for us to win less than eight games a season in my right. opinion. You know, high state just goes down there and takes them, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's all <laughs> me. And everybody. Uh, like, everybody can have Florida kids, man. Like, we don't want them, apparently. Dude, it, it, it's, it's so true. Like, but- it should, it, ideally, the state of Florida should already be hard enough to recruit for any of the schools, like Florida, that's Miami, true. Florida State. Like, all the top kids, like, those three schools should be competing to get them. And mm. – Right now, for all three of them, actually, that's just – it's not it's the case. Tough. It's a bad time to be a Florida college football team. Yeah, and, and I think it's its going to be crazy. And I, I think 
this is perfect swing into the, the, the state of the, not only the big 10, but the NCAA, we were hearing a lot of news out of the ACC. We're hearing news out of the big 12 pac 12, all that fun stuff. And my question for both of you guys is, is what is happening as someone, as someone who uh, I have a friend who doesn't really watch like college sports. And he looked at me and goes like, is this just like the NFL, but like with non NFL players? And I'm like, well, really, that's a great question. It's really getting there. Isn't it? Like, doesn't it it's, look it's, like we're going to end up with be two, two mega conferences that end be. up being like the AFC NFC, which mm-hmm. would be the big 10 and the SEC. Like it really feels like with all the movement that that's eventually what it's going to become. By 2025 it's going to be completely different. Um, because yeah. 2025, the, the college football playoff contract is done. Mm. Um, and so they'll have to re rework things then. And there's been no talks to get it done, mainly because the SEC, when negotiations started about, you know, expanding the playoffs, they're like, like the way things went, they were unhappy. So like, you know what, like we know when that expires in 2025, we'll have the chips um, to make sure that we can have our own playoff. And that's what getting Oklahoma and Texas did. And then that kind of forced the Big Ten's hand. Cough, cough. Thank you, Gene Smith, for making a move. Um, Gene but, Smith. Yeah, yeah, finally got it done. Um, so, no, I mean, college football is the Wild West. I mean, you, you got you got high schoolers getting seven-figure deals. You got, Dude, not even played yet. I just think no. it's mind-boggling. No, no, Nico, that boy Nico is is making one hundred and seventeen thousand. He's out here wearing pajamas at like mm-hmm. seven on seven or wherever the heck that camp was, just throwing bombs like lasers. And they offered him one hundred ten thousand a month. Oh my! Mm-hmm. That's yeah. more than my college loan. Um, <laughs> and call Nico. I know. I need to call Nico. But like if. If I was making one hundred ten thousand a month, guys, I would be so ridiculous with the money. Like I would be, like honestly, like no, like I'm ridiculous with it now, and I don't even make that much. But I would just be, I would have a thousand in cash with me at all times, just just to give to somebody. Like I feel like I would be just an absolute demon. You're you're like Mr. Beast of the radio. That's what you'd be. Straight up, straight up. So you'd be. But my question (laughs) is though, is this is what do you see, Chris? Do you see? Like, do you see there being like, let's say a a north and a south, or like you know something like that, where there's you know, because what's going to, ha- what do you think is going to happen to the rest of the big 12 teams, the rest of the PAC 12 teams, the ACC, you know, in basketball, the big East, uh, you know, some of these teams, like what, what happens like that? That's what I want to, what, what, what's your grasp on this? I know you and Zach talk about this too, but what's your grasp on it? What, what do you think? Um, I think you're going to see the two super conferences and the playoff is going to turn into, you know, conference title game here, conference title game there, winner of each goes and plays. Um, I think the big 12 is done. I think the sec will absorb most of the football schools that they can. Um, And and I think at some point there's going to be a buy-in to get into each of the conferences. I think once each of the conferences kind of, you know, settle on things, get who they want. I think from from there on out, other schools can apply each year to get in, but there's going to have to be a buy-in, a requirement, a revenue requirement just to get in. It's going to be like two clubs um, because everyone's trying to protect their TV deals at this point. So you mean so. Rutgers is Rutgers is very thankful they're in the Big Ten already? Yeah, super. They're <laughs> thankful they're in the New Jersey market because that's the only reason they're in because well, of that I, I because said, of that, that TV deal. You know, Warren has saved his butt because of what he did a few years ago that we'll never forgive him for. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that cost Ohio State a chance for a national title. I truly believe that. Absolutely. And I think he saved him. I think, again, it's Gene Smith, not him. But you now have, if you're the Big Ten, you have the L.A. market, you have the New Jersey market, and you have Ohio State and Michigan in your center. Well, Ohio State. And it's, to me, 
the SEC, I think, with the whole talk with the ACC, it's like SEC is looking like, oh, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. We we have we have to now compete against the LA market, and there and and there's ch- thoughts. And my thought is is that Oregon, Washington, at some point here in the next few weeks or months, will switch to the Big Ten. I just no, don't absolutely. see how it's not possible. I think what's going to happen is the teams that don't want to be in these conferences, according to an FCS coach from Idaho, I forget his <laughs> name, said that it's the most pure is the FCS because you know. Idaho left the FBS to go to the FCS. So obviously mm-hmm. it's so pure. Um, but I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of these small divisions that it's almost gonna be like a minor leagues. If in some cases with the new, no, it pretty is. much free agency. Like I've told Josh, this, there needs to be some type of control on this whole like craziness because right now it's just, you know, like you said, the wild West, it's like, all right, who's up for a debate? Like, you know, that's, that's what it? it is. And it truly oh. is. I think the Big Ten is going to look I, – I, well, I know that they want Georgia Tech. They want the Atlanta TV market, um, and they want to take a – and that will be the first, like, real bite into the SEC market. I also know that Clemson does not want to join the, the SEC. That is not something they view of as valuable. They don't. Um, unless Unless of Duke, they don't. North Carolina, and Virginia all go with them all to the SEC East just because they don't want to have to go play the SEC no, Sharks. Da- no, Dabo doesn't want to go play them. No, no, no. Not anybody <laughs> – yeah. not the team. No, no, no. It's yeah, Dabo. Yeah, Dabo, doesn't. Dabo. Good old right, Dabo. Ohio, Ohio State's the 11th best team of the country remember that's mm-hmm. where where that's all at i can't stand that man dude i i, I can't stand that man. man i i'm a georgia tech fan so i used to love when they used to get beat by them every year like i used to love when georgia tech was was whooping them with a the triple option trot out there throwing two passes a game going crazy um but no it's it's going to be two super conferences and the teams i'm really interested in see where they end up i'm interested to see where cincinnati ends up because at some point i think the big, big 12 10. is gone i think the big 10 takes yeah. up cincinnati it's got to well, they, they keep – like, the, Cincinnati's trying to get in the Big Ten three times now. I think it's because a lot – what I've – what I can grasp from people that go to Cincinnati and things like that, it's just, like, their their size of their, their university, I don't know if it's, like, big enough. Like, I, I don't mm. know if they haven't hit certain marks because if you look at all the other schools in the Big Ten, Rutgers might be the smallest – Northwestern. Northwestern is the smallest, but also Northwestern's academics are super, super high. So, so, so I good. think that plays a factor in that whole whole thing yeah. as well. I well, I, I know snobs in here get in the way. Like, oh, you're gonna <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They've they've met the requirements to join the Big Ten. They've met all the requirements several times, but it keeps getting blocked. They've tried three times now. When it's, they made their move ball. to the Big Twelve, well, it's 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 been Gene Smith, Gene Smith, of course, like, Gene Smith. We're not letting you guys we in. Love Gene and we got to hate gene at the same time right well they they don't want they don't want someone else to compete with ohio state for ohio kids and so they keep blocking it and so it's like that could be the weird you're gonna get some weird team alignments like you're gonna get like cincinnati in in the sec but usc and ucla is already weird they have to travel freaking four thousand you know not four thousand it's me traveling four thousand but you know it's like (laughs) traveling you know you're three hours difference of time so imagine the schedules of those kids going to rutgers and then Ohio State like oh my word you just stay on the road just stay on the road <laughs> they're making like money a, it's like a touring band we're all pros at this point yeah. like it's goodness but I'm interested to see you know it's going to be crazy now final question on this Chris do you like it or hate it oh I love it I am I am a chaos kid man I grew up <laughs> I grew up loving chaos I love it mainly because I'm not in it like I but I <laughs> But I am I am so here for it. I'm not a traditionalist. To me, as an Ohio State fan, like my number one rival is Clemson. Oh, like, st- I, oh, stop! No, 
No, nah, like I like I <laughs> no, like super, I'm not a traditionalist at all. Like like I like I love it. I'm I mean, here for it. Like burn the, the whole NCAA Clemson down. Matchup has been a lot more fun to watch the last five oh years than the Ohio State Michigan one. Oh oh, I'll tell you. I I don't know. I I, yeah, I it's not popular, guys. But come on, Ben. Come on, Josh. Like you guys know. Like that oh that is my. that is my like. Oh, it's number two. Rival. It's number hmm? two, but ain't number no, one. It's, it's number one for me. Oh it is my. definitely number one for me. Dude, my dad's and I, and I grew up with a Michigan fan. Yeah, no, I, but I'm not a traditionalist. For me, like the the things that sting the most were was watching like Trevor, like Trevor Lawrence running all over that. Oh, that that, 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 me. that did annoy me. Trevor Lawrence looking like Mike Vick out there. Yeah, that was. By the way, that, by I, the way, there that was not a uh, a bad hit on Lawrence. By the way, that I'm still going back to that. I'm sorry, it's not the ref's fault. We screwed up a lot mm-hmm. of things in that game, but that changed the momentum of that game. No, stupid that call, dumb that, call. That loss hurt me more than last year's Michigan loss. I, I will agree with you on that one. I will agree I'm with saying. you on that one. So at that point for me, like, that's it. Like, that loss hurting me more than the Michigan loss means that in my own eyes, like, the team – here's – the team I watch every single week is Ohio State, and the second team I try to watch is always the rival. And for years, I'll, I'll maybe catch four or five Michigan games a year. I watch every single Clemson game, whether it's live or the next day. I watch every single Alabama game, whether it's live or the next day. And for me, that signals that my number one rival as as an Ohio State fan is not Michigan because I could care less what they do week to week. And I think I think it also shows the state of Michigan, though. You know, Josh, mm-hmm. I mean, what would you say on that, Josh? Because I know I know you could probably <laughs> test yeah. be an Ohio kid. I mean, honestly, just as a just as an outsider, not being an Ohio State fan, it's like, I mean, you look at the you look at the Iron Bowl, Auburn will get Alabama every now and then, like mm-hmm. a lot more often than what Michigan's getting Ohio State. And I mean, you I think you need that like back and forth element. Like, I mean, there might be one team that maybe not dominates, but like wins more often than than the other one in the rivalry, but you need like a little bit of back and forth. And yeah. I mean, you get that in the iron bowl. And I think you kind of are getting that between Ohio state and Clemson. And like up until this year, I mean, this past season, it's like Michigan was Michigan had nothing on Ohio state. And, 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 and like look, looking broad scope, like I, I love the sports so much and I love rivalries, but like the games I look forward to, like I look forward to, I probably look forward more now to uh, A and M versus Alabama than I do Alabama versus Auburn, um, just that's because of like yeah. th- that's what I'm saying. Like that's some of the stuff I look for. Like I look more forward to like LSU Florida than I do Florida Florida State. Oh, um, I agree like with that. yeah, like I look forward to kind of the stuff that has more in terms of recency, like the off season chatter, like the jabs at each other. Like up until last year, I never heard Jim Harbaugh take a jab at Ohio State. Like up until the born on third base, but I had heard Dabo Sweet talk about oh eleventh best team, and then I'd seen the cop out, and then I'd seen this and that, and then like on the recruiting trail, like Ohio State doesn't compete with Michigan on the recruiting trail. So to me, like the interest and 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 the rivalry, it's like oh like we lost out on Bo Collins to to Clemson. I can't wait till they have to see us. And there's none of that with Ohio State and Michigan because the kids that Michigan gets are kids that Ohio State didn't want. So there is no battle that goes down the stretch. Right. So when I look at rivalries and I look at importance of what I look at, what I value, I, I, I don't want to say I no longer care, but it takes a back seat. Like I want to see Penn State every year because we took Kyle McCord from them. We took Marvin Harrison Jr. from them. Like they got to see us. So that's what I like. And with Michigan, it's just it's not there at all, because if you look at all Michigan starters, we, we didn't want any of them. Like you can look, they're, they're starting quarterback next year. Their prime possession, JJ McCarthy. He tried to commit to Ohio State, 
Ryan Day said, you're not near the top of our board. We'll have to wait and see where the other quarterbacks go, or you'll have to get better. So out of spite, he committed to Michigan. So it's like, since we're not competing on the trail against each other, we've beaten you every time except for one time the last X amount of years. And there's other schools that we compete with and have lost to. That's my rival because that's what rivalry is more about, not rather than like historic and fake wars and, and you know, the 10-year the stuff or whatever. Because right now, Clemson's my rival, not Michigan. Mm. Josh, what are your thoughts on that as a non-Highest State Michigan fan? I mean, it, it totally makes sense, man. Like, I see it. Like, I think Ohio State fans in their minds have elevated to like one of those like top four teams, right? So mm-hmm. you got to be figuring like the playoffs is an expectation every year. And who's going to be staying your way to get to that national championship game? Most likely Clemson. Like you're right. thinking bigger than just the Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we got to get past Michigan to get to the Big Ten championship to win it. Like you're thinking like, okay, we're going to be in the playoffs every year. So who's going to be in our way of getting to that championship? Yeah. Clemson. So I think that's the thinking uh-huh. now because Michigan has been like that little of a threat this last these last couple decades and it's like the the kid factor of it like when we if we have to get bama at some point like that's who we lose recruiting battles to so it's like i want like as a fan i was like i want that kid to feel like he made a mistake by not coming to my school because that makes me feel big and macho but on the michigan front it's like damn like like little johnny donut wasn't good enough to come here and we just beat them down but all right on to the next so for me Michigan is a step to get where we need to get to and up on the podium is going to be Clemson, Alabama. So that's kind of, that's who I watch every week for the rivalry. That's who I know we compete with on on the football field. And honestly, like once USC comes to, comes to the big 10, that's who I anticipate in the next two or three years will be the rival for Ohio state. That's going, that's not going Michigan. To be, yeah. Especially for like, uh, like I'd say people around our parents' age that grew up watching the Rose bowl all the time mm-hmm. with USC and Ohio state. Like that was kind of like a secondary rivalry there for a while. And that's going to get brought back now. I think with them both being in the same conference, but even Lincoln Riley versus Ryan day, that's exactly Lincoln Riley versus Ryan day. That's in LA. LA. Cause highlight. we're, cause we're going to be competing for the same quarterbacks. We're going to be competing for the same receivers and the, the USC team, they're going to be very good. And I mean, these are the two guys that are viewed as the young quarterback gurus. Like it's, it's like, like Ryan day and Jim Harwell, there'll never be any debate on who's a better coach, but for as long as quarterbacks are being drafted in the first round, there will always be a debate of who's a better coach, you know, Lincoln Riley or, or, or Ryan day. And so I think that will replace kind of the rivalry aspect. And it, and, and that's what we're going to see in the next five or six years. So, so that's where I'm at. I think Michigan's done. I, until until Brian Kelly gets fired from LSU the same year that Jim Harbaugh gets fired from Michigan and then Brian Kelly comes to Michigan and then we got we got Franklin Kelly Riley and Dale in the same conference then the rivalry could come close to getting back you know that's kind of funny I didn't ever think about that but now that you're you're saying it I think Brian Kelly is a much better fit at Michigan than at LSU right now Look, he was a high school coach in Michigan. He's got Michigan ties. That's where he went to school. So, like, he went to school in Michigan. So, like, he's he is a Midwestern guy. I mean, even the way he recruits now, like the the kids he's getting at, at LSU right now, we're all Midwest kids. Like that. Yeah, like Brian Kelly belongs to get at Florida. The talent that is in that state. Mm-hmm. Like not even you guys trying just to. Just talked about on Menace not too long ago. Like Louisiana. Like the top kids there do not leave. No, and they are going now. Now they've been leaving, and they, they're they swinging and missing. So, no, Brian Kelly's going to end up at LSU. And then then and only then, and personality-wise, like that's the kind of guy that Ryan Day is going to hate more than Harbaugh. Like Harbaugh's just a weird dude. But, like, hateable, like Brian Kelly is, is very hateable, especially if you're Ryan yeah. Day. I think, too, Brian Kelly, like, 
I think his background's more in like line play, like between the trenches yeah. and stuff like that. And that's more, I think, what Michigan likes to do in terms of like the way that they've always played. Like they always have good linemen. That's kind of like I would guess the most that the talent that they put out in the NFL is on the line, yep. offensively and defensively. They do really well running the ball, and then passing is just kind of like secondary. So I think Jimmy's kind of like had a hard time running the way that he would like to at Michigan, just because he's never had that quarterback. Mm-mm. No, no, you're right, and he's he's a scammer. But also, when Brian Kelly comes to Michigan, because it is going to happen, it's going to happen. It's the other here rivalry has been here said here yes, first. Here first, the other rivalry that's going to be born because Notre Dame's going to join the Big Ten. Oh, it's going to be Marcus Freeman versus Kelly. Like that is what the oh. Oh man! Yes, guys. Hey, you heard it here first. No, that is true, man. That I, is I would true. even say I, but I think this goes back to, and you said it earlier, Chris, and I heard it also from many other people. It's the state of Michigan. This is where they're at. They're at mm-hmm. a place where I have Michigan like friends that like born and raised loved the tradition of Lloyd Carr, loved the tradition of what Michigan was, even when Brady Joke was there. Sorry. Um, even Rich Rod, there, Rich Rod. And, and, Rich and Rich Rod. Rod. And even when they were there, you know, you could tolerate it. But they said there is people that have seen Jim Harbaugh when he was a quarterback. And they see him now, and it's like they're so frustrated. And I like the state of Michigan is like if you can't get Lloyd Carr's grandson, you can't get a kid from Detroit, from L- MLK, you can't get these kids to come in to Michigan that grew up dying maize and blue. But Ohio State can go in and get a Jack Sawyer, can get mm-hmm. these kids that are growing up in Ohio in Ohio. Like that just shows me right there that the state of Michigan is not where it was when Jim Trestle versus Lloyd Carr, one versus two, the game of the century, the the game that all of us growing up remember watching. You know, all these guys, Beanie Wells, you know, uh, you have all these different even Tom Brady when he played for Michigan, like all these guys, like Tom Brady, you don't hear him talking about Michigan that much anymore. Like you really don't hear him talking about it, right? Like nope, because he that, wouldn't dare. <laughs> exactly. So I think that just shows that the state of where I think not just where the Big Ten is headed. But really, where Michigan is like fading, like you know, they have. Well, I'll even, add to that. Yeah, it's, it's a little, uh, it's a little deeper than that because one thing that Jim Harbaugh's done, and it's never going to make any national news. It's never going to kind of be be a hot button thing. Is he has lost the trust of coaches from Michigan, high school coaches. So like now, like these elite high schools in 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 Michigan are sending their kids elsewhere. Like th- that's because they don't like Harbaugh and they don't trust Harbaugh. So if you are being negative, re- re- negatively recruited by your own high school coach telling you, you know what, you know what more, like if you care about your success moving forward, like we cannot have you go to Michigan at that point, you're done because you have to, at some point build a pipeline from high schools to your school and then go out of there from there. But there's some high schools that I don't really want to name, but Jim Harbaugh's not even welcome in those in those high schools, so he can't even go visit a kid himself. It had to be Gaddis, or it had to be one of the other coaches. Man. That's how much he's disliked among high school football coaches who are the lifeblood of your program in most cases, especially in the trenches. Like whenever you look at like offensive line play, like a lot a lot of offensive linemen stay in state, and because that's a position that you can you can evaluate the best because of the closest by, and you kind of like that that kind of nastiness is kind of something you want homegrown because it just means more. But Jim Harbaugh has lost the trust of high school coaches. They're not sending kids there. They're sending kids elsewhere. And really, I, I don't know. This this win over Ohio State was kind of like rat's poison because at some point, like <laughs> it, it extended him three years. But they're gonna get beat badly for three straight years. So I guarantee you, they just, they just wait for Brian Kelly to be available, and then uh, then then you make the swap, and then you get Brian Kelly. That's what the Big Ten needs. Big Ten needs Brian Kelly back. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I mean, it it goes back to uh, like 
parlaying success. Like mm-hmm. you heard Zach say Momentum. that Michigan, Michigan hasn't been able to parlay the success from the Big Ten championship into the future. And then you look at on the flip side at Ohio State, Brian Hartline has three, I mean, you can say three first-round receivers with J-Mo, Olave, and Wilson. And what does he do? He parlays that into getting Carnell Tate and Innes mm-hmm. and Rodgers. And like, <laughs> it just continues to get all these, like, five-star kids. And it's just going to continue on and on and on. Mm-hmm. From, from Florida. And they know that the corners they're facing in Michigan are not going to be from Florida. So they are good anyway. to go. And, and I, <laughs> I want to get all your thoughts here. Uh, before we move to the Browns topic, I want to get your thoughts. Chris, Prediction for Ohio State this year. What is your prediction right now in July? What is your prediction for Ohio State this year? They're not losing. They're not losing a ball game. They're winning the national title. Like, there's nobody in front of them right now. There's no quarterbacks that I'm afraid of. There's no, there is one player in the entire country I'm afraid of, but they're winning the whole thing. Um, and and I, I honestly, I'd bet my left leg on it because that's how good I think they are. Um, I think the only player that concerns me is Will Anderson. So we'll see Will Anderson versus Paris Johnson Jr. But I mean, Clemson with DJ Uyunglele is not is not going to matter. Um, uh, Georgia, you know, they they they're rolling with Johnny Donut at quarterback. They're done. Their best receiver said, "I'm out of here." Um, you know, Lincoln Riley and USC, they got this, you know, transfer you, but they're going to be softer than Charmin in the trenches. We should run down their throats. So it's, it's, it's us and Bama. And this will be the, the only point. This will be, this is the year where Ryan day takes that torch from away from Nick Saban. And then we can come back next year on this podcast and we can have a celebratory drink and we could toast to it because, because they freaking did it. And Chris drew called it on this show. So, um, that's, that's what I expect from Ohio state. There you have it. And also you have the extra bonus that the fact that USC supposedly has a better quarterback than Stroud. Preseason <laughs> polls have said they've had a better quarterback, which I think they're just, what are they yeah. smoking out there? I mean, it is, I just it's don't California. know how you can do that when Stroud was literally a high. <laughs> I don't but, know either, but whatever. we're here. It's just more fuel in the fire. That's all I got to say. Don't even think, I don't even think Caleb Williams is a quarterback yet. I think he's an athlete playing quarterback. Yes. Like that, that's, that's where I'm at with him. So no, no, it's cool. Cause we'll see him in round one and we'll, we'll take his lunch money and then it'll be, Going and taking lunch money from Will Anderson. And if we could take that lunch money, we're good. We'll celebrate. Josh, what do you got? I mean, I'm with Chris on the national championship. I really don't see anything or any other team competing for that. Plus, it's just like a great revenge storyline that us in the media just love. So I'm going to go with national championship. I'm going to hesitate on going with undefeated, though. I don't know where that loss might come, but you never know, like, what could happen during a season or, like, there could be a trap somewhere along the way that we don't know about yet. And... Yeah, I, I think mean, Ryan Day. I think hard. I think like, Ryan Day's trap proof. I think Ryan Day's trap proof. I, I know that this is like thing, like has even Alabama. Like you look at Alabama, like the standard, right? Like they've only had like three undefeated seasons the last decade. Like it's just very, very, very hard to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I be- honestly, I honestly firmly think that Ryan Day's trap proof. I think the teams we lost to last year, I think we deserve to lose to. Like we didn't get beat. Like we got beat by teams that were better than us in the trenches. Like and, and so, so until I see him, Iowa have a- or Purdue, it wasn't Iowa exactly. First of all, let me just can I, can I say something about that Iowa team? Yeah, that is one of my favorite non-Ohio State teams ever. People don't realize <laughs> like last year's Iowa team. That, no, that, no. that, that, yeah, no, yeah. that Iowa team, the like, Iowa that, team from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, the beat JT Barrett. Yes, that oh, shaped how I how I play fantasy football. I've won fantasy football the last two years because you know what I do? It's it's a double flex it's a double flex league and a tight end league. Because of that game, I make sure I draft Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson every <laughs> single year, every single year. Oh, because of that game. So yeah, I love that Iowa team, man. I was sick. I was throwing up because we lost. Oh yeah, it was awful. It was I, bad, but that Iowa team is fantastic. I would I would go double down on what you guys said, but I'm also going to throw another thing in there. High State's dropping a 60 ball in Michigan, and I'm saying it's going to be 60 ball, 60 ball, 
with Stroud in there for three quarters. And who knows what happens after that, but at least a 60 ball against Michigan this year. What about an unnecessary go for two? You think we get oh, one of those? I would 100%. love to see one. <laughs> I, I've said this, I've said this for years back when Ohio state with, with Haskins, I believe it was, they dropped mm-hmm. rest in peace. Um, when they dropped 62, was it, 62 yeah. right? That was the year I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. But now that they lost to Michigan and Michigan saying all this crap, like that's really just nonsense crap. They've said all this stuff. I'm sitting here. You're Ryan day in the locker room, right? You're up, let's say 45 to, to 15, 10, 45, 10 or whatever at halftime. You look at CJ Stroud and Hey, you want to play four quarters today? You want to play four? You want to play four? Hey, hey, I'm sorry, McCord. I'm sorry guys, but uh, mm-hmm. this one's a little personal. I would not be shocked if it's, if you know, you're guaranteed for a big 10 title game and you're up 45, 45 to 10 or whatever, it's the third quarter. You know, I think CJ is going to go up to me like, Hey coach, Throw me out there because I, I truly believe that, you know, I'm very much about like Michigan when they start poking the bear is when they get beat really bad. Right. Like you look at really the last bad. few years when they've gotten when the whole like this thing came out, what happened the next year? Got their butt Just whooped. Ev- eviscerated. So whenever Harbaugh has poked the bear, the bear has woke up and the bear has done something that no one really likes. And Mm-mm. so I think I would not be shocked in the next few years. It's a combined score of like, you know, 300 to like or 250 <laughs> to like, to like, you know, 28, right? Like just pound them in the ground, like yes. throw the elbows. Right. So I, that's my thing is I think they're going to undefeated win the natty, but I think on top of that, it's going to be like, you know, just some nice cherries on top. You just mm-hmm. pound Michigan to the ground and you make Harbaugh look at himself in the mirror and go, yeah, I'm an idiot. Right. Like, like what is the Gordon Ramsay thing? I'm an idiot sandwich. Right? Idiot like, sandwich. Look at you. Up. Idiot sandwich. Like, and then, an and then sandwich. also Desmond Howard too. Like I'm oh, sure I, that, I that Desmond Howard, don't even get me started. Fake. Yeah. Jesus. I would, I would like to, yeah. I'm, I don't like Desmond Howard that much after that CJ Stroud, like unnecessary burn, but so, that was so lame. Like, it was so lame. Man. It was, it was so unnecessary and so lame, but uh, with your guys' predictions, it sounds like in your scenarios, CJ Stroud is winning the Heisman next oh, year. Right? If they go on defeated, like that super means lock, that infinity lock, that team has to have the Heisman, right? I'll throw this out here. Top three, you got, you got Stroud and you got Henderson top three. Now, do you worry about splitting votes? That, I think that's what happened with uh, like Justin Fields and Chase Young. Yeah, yeah, they they split some votes. Is but is this year's Ohio State team? Is this Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner? It would be it would be uh, JSN and Stroud, right? Going, you would think. Like no, I know Trevion definitely has the caliber, but I feel like mm. that second guy would most likely be JSN. Yeah. I, yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if this is going to be a great year. And you heard it here first from all of us that a high school in And so when we come back again this year, next, this time next year, we're going to have the same thing. Probably about the Cheers, same fellas. Cheers, fellas. <laughs> exactly. So, Josh, I know to finish up the show, you have a topic that you've been very passionate about. So if you want to explain this so that way Chris can maybe join in on the conversation. I will. And uh, let me make sure I'm getting this correct. Chris, you are also a Browns fan like the rest of us, right? It's funny because I am not. No, no, I am not a Browns fan. Oh, this is going to be. Okay. Um, but he's but, a Cleveland guy, though. So, but I, I, covered I know he's from the area. I, I couldn't remember if he's ever talked about which NFL team he likes. But do, you know, do, you know, do you know who Cameron Justice is? She's one of the beat writers for. Uh, she's always on the scene. I, I don't know. That's 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 who I spent. used to spend a lot of time with in my early radio days. Gotcha. And so, yeah, that doesn't ring a bell or anything. It's like her and Mary Kay Cabot or with Channel 5 or oh, whatever. Okay. And they do okay. a lot of I that. know Mary Kay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but anyway, since you're a Cleveland guy, we thought you'd yeah. still chime in on this. So, yeah, Josh. no, no, I do. I I covered the I cover the Browns, um, kind of for the our sister station down the hallway. So I'm I'm tapped in, just not a, 
I'm a Giants fan. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh my. Well, wow. here, bro. This bump for uh, knowing what it's like to root for misery. Terrible front Jeez. office. Yes. <laughs> misery indeed. So. But I do. I root for the Bears as well. I love Justin Fields. Terrible front office, but I, I love yeah. Justin. I'm a, I'm a big Justin guy too. Mm. Like, not a Buckeye fan, but I got to interview him after the Big Ten Championship 2019. And after Amazing. talking to him, like, I just left that conversation thinking this guy is different. Like you can different. hear some guys, like they just, they just aren't it. Right. Like they, mm-hmm. they're kind of like sluggish or they just, they don't have like Daniel Jones. I left that Justin Fields conversation thinking this guy's a dude. He's going to do some stuff in the league. He mm-hmm. just needs a, a front office that will draft players and sign players that'll support him and a head coach yeah, that'll sure. run an offense that he fits in. But Okay. We got all that out of the way. So yeah, you guys kind of know how I feel about the whole Deshaun Watson yes. situation already. I too feel long. like Baker, too much. <laughs> I feel like Baker Mayfield has proven himself from his rookie season, and then year three, where he took the team to the playoffs and won a game. That I mean, he wasn't the issue. Like this was going to be our guy going forward. And then obviously last year, he had the injury and ended up having his worst statistical season of the year. Which I believe those two things were correlated. And he was going to come back this year, year five, be totally healthy, and the Browns are going to be back to playoff contention. And then they go out and make the trade for Deshaun Watson, give this man $230 million, give away three first-round picks, and don't even bother shutting Baker in this trade. He's still on the roster, so that creates like all the drama, obviously. And then this week, they finally trade him to Carolina. I think he's going to do some good things there, but they only got a fifth-round pick in return, and they're paying half his salary to try and beat them week one. It's just absolutely nuts. I think this whole situation was totally mishandled and unnecessary. Uh, Chris, what's been your take on this whole uh, Cleveland quarterback situation? It just seems like it's the good old days of adding more names to the quarterback jersey. That it is. Yeah. yeah, the forever growing quarterback jersey. It's funny because a lot of people retired it after Baker Mayfield did so well, made a playoff, you know, made the playoffs. Right. There was hope, so it's like you retired that thing, and I got to bring it back, and it might include, uh, you know, some other some other guys on there now. But it's Toby Brissett and Josh Dobbs on that probably this year. Too. Yeah, <laughs> that's so garbage. Goodness Man. gracious, um, it's crazy because the Browns made a desperation move when they didn't have to make a desperation move. Um, I know Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback when he's on the field than Baker Mayfield, but you only want to give a guy that much guaranteed money when he's guaranteed to play. And it seems like everything that we've heard as kind of fans and media has been a surprise to everyone involved. And that should never be the case when you give somebody $230 million. Um, Baker Mayfield can get his team to the playoffs, yes. Um, and I've seen some some quarterbacks worse than Baker make it to a Super Bowl, Jared Goff being one. Like, Jared Goff is, is nowhere near the quarterback, in my opinion, that, that Baker is. But, in yet, but yet, there he was in the Super Bowl behind a power run game. So I think it's funny because, you know, Baker Mayfield was, was was bad this last year. Um, He was injured, and I think it was easy to make him the scapegoat for the Browns team, forcing or justifying a move out of desperation. But really, I mean, Stefanski needs to be better. Like, everybody oh, yeah. needs to be better. And, and it's funny that, that Baker has to wear all of this. Um, and he's going to go down to Carolina, and now it's up to – the Haslam's frustrate me. They're so selfish, and they're, they're so arrogant. Hey, they like, saved the crew. Hey, they saved the crew. Don't get me yeah. started on selfishness. Yeah, they they saved the crew. You're right. Shout out to the crew. We love soccer around here. Um, but it, it was a very arrogant move to trade for Deshaun Watson, to sell the farm and the children inside of it, to not know if he was going to play. 
And it's like, and then, like you said, the fact that Baker Mayfield wasn't involved in that trade is goofy. Just for you to trade away Baker Mayfield for an open bag of Doritos and a half-eaten taco. So it's like, you, you do all these things in line, and then you don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to be playing this year. Now, I think the NFL is ridiculous. I think the NFL should have had this squared away a long time ago, and they put everybody in a bad spot because of this. And and now guys' careers are going to be on the line because of this. Wait on the politics. Um, yeah, playing playing politics. And then like the, we talked about, I think before the show, the recommendation of a twelve game suspension. Ridiculous. Since when is since when are we recommending suspension? They offered, are yeah, you, they offered to settle. Like we'll offer you a twelve stupid. game suspension, and it's like now nah, we're gonna turn that down. It's like, is this how suspensions have always been negotiated? Is this, is this how jail time works? Like and the players yeah. just like, you know what? I feel like that's fair. Yeah, I'll take that twelve game. He suspension. never even was criminally of like uh, mm. the, even the jury was like, yeah, he did nothing wrong. So why are we? There's no evidence. There's nothing like twice. what <laughs> clear. Yeah, I mean they had a they had a black man in Texas with the two juries, and they both said no. <laughs> that means there's minimal evidence. It's like it's just like if I ever got into a fight at school, and the principal pulled me in the office, he said, "All right, Chris, so we can either do a ten day suspension, or we can review everything." Da-da-da-da. I'm like, that's not how this works. If you get into a fight at school, you go to the office, you get suspended. Yep, that's just how it goes. That's the way it works. And, and the NFL is the weirdest principle ever because we don't know what's going on. And even being like, like I'm, I'm in Northeast Ohio, dog. Like all the reporters that are floating out my sources, this, my sources, that. I'm sources. People ask me, and I just like flood out random numbers because nobody knows what actually is going on um, behind those closed doors. Are there, are there 45 cases or are there five cases? We don't really don't know. I don't know. Do then there's like an HBO special about it. <laughs> I don't like weird. Like, dude, this is this is so odd. Like it's H- so incredibly odd. Yeah, HBO did. Hard knocks on the Cleveland Browns. They're making money. A couple seasons too early, am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, honestly, season. there should be a Cle- – they should just have a permanent fixture. Like, like it's it's literally, you know, call it the quarterback room. And every year you just, jur- like, journal their quarterback journey because it's it's so ridiculous. And it's never easy, man. Like, I envy all the teams that have it easy just for three years. Like, even when the Colts had Andrew Luck and he was always hurt, it was always easy. I always went to camp knowing, okay, I don't have to worry about my quarterback because I know that that – but I have to worry about that position, that position, that position. You know, you, you go to you, you go, even with Jared Goff for those first five years, you don't have to worry about it. It's like you go to camp every year, it's all good, we're good. But with the Browns, there's so much drama. Whether you know, we, we got dads posting videos about all the times OBJ was open, oh, we got God. Baker Mayfield playing 10 hours of Halo before the Green Bay game. We got all this nonsense here, and it's like, can it just be easy for one freaking week? Because for me, like, like, like as a guy who covers the sport and the Browns, like things for me personally are better when the Browns are better. Like, it's easier to do shows. More people call in. More people talk. It's it's more fun to go to games. But when they're bad, all people do is pick apart me on the air being negative. And it's like, guys, like, I'm not the one that played Halo for 10. I, I, I'm I not a dad on the team posting videos. Well, I'm even, not the one that traded for D- Deshaun Watson. So it's even like even like the Baker, the whole Baker thing with that coming out here recently about his childishness, which we've known this. Mm-hmm. We've known this. We've known this for years. When he's grabbed his junk and and forcing it against you know against yeah. Kansas, like dude of all teams, really Kansas, Kansas. like Big really Kansas. you know. And so I mean, the, the last thing he said to Matt Rule, last thing he said to Matt Rule was, "You forgot who Daddy was. I'm gonna get out there and spank you during the Baylor." Yeah, uh, like, oh my game. gosh. Yeah, Matt that was the Baylor last at the time. Yes, yes. Like this is. I never and, put these two together. And that's <laughs> where, like, Matt, oh, the coach of Baylor. That oh man. This but that's the thing is and like Robbie Anderson too. Like well, we all know about the Robbie Anderson Instagram comments. Yeah, so. but it's just for me. It's like you know, as a Browns fan, and like I, if you've been watching this show, if you guys have been paying attention, all of you that are watching or listening, you all know that I'm very neutral on this. I haven't put any 
feet on either side until I see what happens. If Baker beats us week one, I'll have a lot of um, very bad stomach aches and I'll be very frustrated. <laughs> but I will say this. If in the next three years, three to four years, the Browns go out and win a Super Bowl, then I'm sorry. I will apologize to everyone. Like, this is the thing. Out of my family, like my brother's a Bengals fan. Don't ask me that story. I don't know how that happened. And then, you know, my dad and I, you know, my dad's never been a Baker fan. Like, I don't, I don't think he has. He might be. He might come on the show in a few weeks and tell me that he has been. But I've always felt he's had some of this. I've always said Baker is good for a guy that you want to manage a game. But when you have an all-pro running back, a really another all-pro running back, you have receivers that are tangible. They can get the job done if you need them to. And you have two of the best defensive ends when they're healthy, when they're at the top of their game. It just, to me, it was like, it's almost like, you know, Baker sometimes almost wanted to get out of Cleveland. I know he loved Cleveland, or at least mm -hmm. that's the stories. He loved Cleveland. He loved being around Cleveland. But there's almost that feeling for me, like, does he ever really want to stay in Cleveland? Even past the injury stuff. Like there's always those things that come up with him being childish or whatever, but also I look at Stefanski, like get a hold of your locker room, dude. Straight like do get, get a hold one. of your locker room. Like you, you know, we, we heard about the urban Meyer situation, urban Myers, that was a different level, but he was almost too much in control. Mm. And now you have Stefanski who you have your star quarterback, who, by the way, when you all were talking about this stinking trade, you never even brought him in the discussion. Mm. And, I agree with Josh. Why didn't you put him in the trade to trade the guy? Exactly. That would have made the most sense. Like if you're going to bring in Deshaun with the expectation of him being the starter, and he's a Texas like, boy, it makes sense to yeah include Baker Mayfield in this. Give trade him so something. Give him a peace offering. Yes. Yeah, give him an olive branch. Be like, hey, I know you're going to hate us here. Just let you know, but hey, we're going to trade you to Texas. Now, mm -hmm. do I think he makes Carolina a Super Bowl contender? Heck no. I think Carolina it it. Sam Darnold is a terrible quarterback. Sam Darnold is bad. He's trash. He's, it, it, I'm sorry, he just is. But do I think that that Baker Mayfield going down there is making them a a playoff contender? Maybe, maybe gets them there, gets them. But you're going to be in there with let's well, let's be honest. The NFC South has oh wait, Tom Brady. So mm -hmm. I mean, you it's it's really who's up next. And I, I think for the Browns, this is what I'll say. I, I've put this out there to some of my fans family or friends that are Browns fans. I said this, the Browns will get as far as Stefanski relies back on what he did a few years ago, hand the ball off. And when you need to pass it, you pass the ball. If Brissett's quarterback, I swear, if he throws it more than 15 times a game, we're going to lose all those games mm -hmm. because, because if you rely on a guy like freaking Nick Chubb, we learned that Derek Henry don't run it too much. Derek Henry gets hurt, right? But you don't run it too little. Why is Chubb running have, less attempts than everyone when he averages five and a half yards at attempt. I, I think half the games last year, he had 15 carries or less. And if you're, the, if you're the Browns, you can afford to run it too much because you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Like, please run it too much. You have, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big boxing fan, right? You also, have, a a you also have one of the best offensive lines in the, in the whole NFL. Right. Mm -hmm. You That's know, and it's, no, I'm, it's I'm a huge sad. boxing fan, and, and I and I think that like like when I when I watch boxing fights, one of the things I love is like guys who like up the work rate every round without throwing haymakers. They just like keep getting in there, get in tight, jab jab, one headshot, jab jab, one headshot. I think that like that's how football should be played. And I think if you have a power run game, that's the same as a boxer turning up the work rate. Now, what a lot of these young coaches or coaches like to do is. 
let me let me just go in there and just throw haymakers. Let me just go out there and throw the ball 85 times in, in a game. And it, it gets it gets silly because it's like, no, no, just up the work rate slowly. You will beat this team down and it breeds more nastiness. Like the more you run the ball, the better your offensive line gets, period. And the harder it is, actually, you know, it I just I watched Jared Goff make it to the Super Bowl, guys. Like Jared freaking Jared Goff, Goff made man. a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo has made a Super Bowl. Tannehill has gotten to the AFC Championship Jimmy game. G to Blake the Bortles has made an AFC Championship game, I believe. So it's like you don't need that superstar quarterback. That like you don't I, need. I, I love I love Eli Manning. I'm a Giants fan. We talked about. Yeah. It. I love Eli Manning. He's oh. not dynamic. He's not a superstar. But guess what we did? We won two of them. Thanks. Two of them yeah. in my lifetime because we handed the go. ball off. Yeah, exactly. We beat, beat Tom Brady goat. twice without a dynamic passing attack and because we had running backs. Exactly. Right. The helmet the helmet catch and the Mario Manningham. Yes. Shout out Michigan. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Corner. Stop it. But uh, that's kind of like been my my MO with Baker Mayfield. Like when people tell me like, you know, he's never going to win a Super Bowl in Cleveland because, you know, he's only this good. And it's like you don't need a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a Tom Brady to get it done because we've seen these other quarterbacks in the league get it done because their coaches play to the team's strengths. They don't rely like Mike Vrabel's not relying on Ryan Tannehill to win him games he's relying on the offensive line and Derrick Henry mm. same thing with Kyle Shanahan as crazy and genius of an offensive mind as he is and everybody brags about he's not out here trying to throw 50 times a game with Jimmy G he knows that the strength of their team is in the, sh- the dink and dunk and the run game and the defense and that's why San Francisco has been so good like these last few years since he's been there and it's like I just wish Stefanski would get a grip of that and be like letting Nick Chubb be Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt being Kareem Hunt, and like just let Baker kind of manage the game just like Tannehill and Jimmy G do in their offenses. And instead, he's trying to play football like, like he's Aaron, like Baker Mayfield's Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen or somebody like that. Like the Christmas Day game was the most telling when at halftime Baker had three interceptions and it's the fancy skill throwing the football. Meanwhile, it's still only a one score game. We're in this thing. Nick Chubb has less than five touches so far in the first half. And it's like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. But that's because Are Baker Mayfield was playing Halo for 10 hours the night before. <laughs> that's what the belief is. I mean, yeah, like, no, it's so funny Halo because, definitely like, didn't help. The passing game is so hard to replicate week to week, and that'll make you susceptible to weird losses because weird things happen when you throw the ball. Like, that's why I believe that Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl because, you know, it's so hard to go on, on a string late in the year where you can throw the ball 40 times a game and not expect something bad to happen at some Especially point. Especially playing in like weather like Green Bay and Lambeau Fair and enough. stuff like that. Like it's never Fair the enough. best conditions. No, yeah. exactly. So I think quarterbacks that throw haymakers in general, like Stefanski likes to do, they just don't win as much because it's so hard to replicate those haymakers. Like I watched Drew Brees like death by a thousand cuts, but he only won one Super Bowl. And then I yeah. watched a guy like Elon Manning who, you know, led the league in interceptions uh, like two or three times. But the fact that they had a good running game and were comfortable with it, they were able to get some wins. Even Tom Brady, like I've never looked at a Tom Brady offense with the exception of one year and thought, wow, that passing attack is so dynamic. It was always 2007 when they lost, right? Yeah. Randy Moss. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Moss. That was the only time I ever thought, wow, Tom right. Brady's passing attack is so like, dynamic. You could say that like Tom Brady was in the best offense in the league. I feel like 2007 is one of the only seasons you can say that. Exactly. Exactly. And so that that's where I'm at. I I firmly believe that quarterbacks that throw haymakers, you do not need you, you don't need that to win Super Bowls. I think I think the code is more up the work rate, up more of the short stuff and and kind of stay consistent and stay on schedule. And you just open yourself up to more if you're not on schedule. So I, I love power run game and I and I and I think that that's what the Browns could have benefited from. And it's funny because it was like like we're gonna give you the answer sheet and the test two weeks before the test, and Stefanski for some reason would just throw out the answer sheet, 
and he got away with it because the noise surrounding Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield was so loud. Yeah. My my thing is to 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 wrap up to this episode, I think it's the only way to do this is okay. I want to give an over under how many games uh I would say what is your I should say not over under. What is your guess on how many games Watson will play this year? And what is the final win total for the Browns? We'll start with Josh. What is your, or I can start, I'll start to give you guys some time to think. I, I have this, I have Watson plays, plays four games and I have, I have the Browns winning 10 games. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very short-sighted, but I, I just don't see how it's more than that. So I have Watson playing four games, last four games of the year, and then it's 10 game total wins. Josh, exactly. what do you got? Yeah. I think Deshaun's going to get suspended. Let's let's go. I mean, they already tried 12, and I don't think they're going to get that, which is why they're trying to settle there. So let's go with eight. And since Cleveland's schedule is, like, very easy early on, like, I feel like those are winnable games, even with Jacoby Reset at quarterback. We'll go with uh, – let's go with nine wins. If Deshaun Watson gets to play half the games, Cleveland's going to win nine games this season. Chris? I have them going nine and eight, um, and I have Deshaun Watson playing uh, the final four games. So similar, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe ten. Maybe I haven't planned. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right. I think I think it'll be between ten and twelve. Yeah, where I'm at. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a weird a weird year for Browns fans. But you know what? If, if he gets suspended, or do you do you trust Brissett or do you call Cam Newton? <laughs> no, Brissett. I'll trust Brissett. I feel like we brought Brissett in yeah. because we didn't trust Case Keenum. <laughs> do you call yeah. Andrew Luck? How much do you have got to offer Andrew Luck to come out of retirement? <laughs> Dude, he's sitting pretty. That's all I got to know. But, yeah. no, I will say this. Uh, Chris, first off, thank you so much for, for awesome. tuning in, the Baseline Podcast. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a podcast with somewhere that's in Europe and has internet problems, but no, this is the first. Uh, I love know, it. I love it. First, it, you know, it's glowing over here. I actually, there's a chance to get tickets pretty cheap to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game in Germany. It's only like, uh, it's only about a couple hours away, really. That's so it's really, dope. so I'm, I've been telling my wife, I'm like, you know, it's, you know, it's not that far away. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe there'll be some development on that. I don't know, but uh, it's in also like a soccer stadium. That's like bigger than any football stadium in America. So it'd be really dope to go see. Um, but anyways, thank you so much, Chris, for joining on. Let, can you let everyone know your social media and where they can find you and Zach as well? Oh yeah, for sure. I'll just plug the menace stuff. Yeah. Um, everything is as menace to sports. Um, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, um, Instagram, and YouTube, and we post daily content there on, on all four. So that's that's kind of where you find me. I run those pages. So if you ever interact with anybody, it'll be uh, it'll be your boy here, intern of the year. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, and all those of you listening, make sure you hit that uh, thumbs up. Uh, or I should say, watching. Hit that thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. You can see all the other videos that we've done. We've done videos with my brother who Josh and I knew nothing about soccer and it was very hilarious to see Josh's face when we asked him to make picks. <laughs> Still funny. You could see Josh's rant on our Instagram page at at baseline.podcast where you could see all of our fun stories we share, our opinions that are normally right. Right, Josh? We're always right on all of our oh, opinions. Oh, yeah. Like oh, our 100%. most recent hot take is that Novak Djokovic is the goat. Oh, I, that was me, and then I then then someone decided to point out things to me. Aaron I'm Lynn sorry. Had to put you, you back know, a little bit on that. Aaron Lynn of the Fifth and Goal Podcast decided to be a little little sneaker on that one. <laughs> um, but no, if you, you check out all of our stuff there. Um, and again, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, share with your friends and family. We have a fun time. We have guests. I think yeah. my dad's coming on in a few weeks. We have another guest 
in the works, possibly coming on in a few weeks as well. So yeah. And maybe if you like this enough, we can have Chris come back, you know, and leave a season. review reviews, help yes. reviews, help reviews. the page five so much. Leave, a yes. review. Mm-hmm. leave us five, leave us five stars. Um, also, if you want Chris to come back, let us know in the comments, let us know because we love having people that will just banter with us about random things. So anyways, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, we'll see you next week. Um, hopefully, you know, Josh doesn't have another rant over the weekend. We don't know. We don't know. We'll see if Cleveland gives me a reason. We'll see if Cleveland gives him a reason, but, uh, until next time, uh, we'll see you and uh, have a good week. So we'll see you guys. Peace.